Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. Okay, I'm back in my office today for Palm Sunday. It's Palm Sunday, although I hope to do next week's Resurrection Easter Sunday outside somewhere. But it's very, it's a very strange Palm Sunday. There's usually lots of kids and palms, but it's just so quiet right now. Hey, what are you doing back there? I do have palms. Okay, okay. All right, thank you for your help. It wasn't hard to get her to do that because she scares me all the time. All day long, it's boo, boo, boo. Scares me all the time. That's Laurel, little uh, daughter, granddaughter, daughter. Um, speaking of palms, we found a palm fossil out in the creek not too long ago with the kids. Laurel was there too. See the palm fossil? I hope that's showing up in the light. All right, palm fossil. Uh, and also, uh, is the same creek where I found several dinosaur footprints. Uh, many, many different footprints. One is on display at the Bucks County Children's Museum. You can go see it there. We also have several others on display and different things at the Solbury uh, Township Building. And uh, I don't have those, but I have lots of other ones all over my, all over my office. Here, that, here is one of them now. If I can do this without hurting myself. Can you see it? Here's one of my dinosaurs. Uh, footprints. See the print? Here, I did this with chalk. The other chalk is Laurel's help. She's always coloring my fossils. So you can see the footprints in the middle toe. have lots of them all over my office. <coughs> Kim just thinks it makes the decor in the office look so much better. So I, so I let, 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 let her leave them in here. Um, what, does, what do the dinosaur... Footprints have to do with Palm Sunday? Well, the dinosaurs ate palms. Okay, it's a stretch. I'm stretching it. I know I'm stretching it. I, anybody comes to my office, you're in my office right now. I show the bottles. I show the fossils. I show everything. I have show and tell. So I'm always excited to show off all the different fossils in my office. My kids are very embarrassed when their friends come, but, the, but their friends are very patient. Anywho, uh, Palm Sunday. But we're also going to connect the dots to Good Friday, since we're not going to have Good Friday services. And we're going to, I'm going to connect the dots to that too. And they are also connected. Good Friday is also connected to this story in Elisha, in the life of Elisha, as we're going to see today. Also, this is Communion Sunday. We usually celebrate communion. So I'm going to end with that. So you can have communion in your houses, in your homes. I'm going to end with that if you want to. It's, that'll be the extended version. When the sermon finishes, after we take a little couple second break, then I'll do the communion part, so that's the extended version. Uh, it's also a good time to hit your pause button if you want to go and get some bread and grape juice. I have some over here. I've got a little bit of grape juice here, and also some some crackers, or you can do bread, whatever you want to do. You have some uh, different things there. You can use that. Um, if you don't have any grape juice because you weren't ready for this, you could also use some uh, cooking wine, just this once. <coughs> ah, Hey, uh, New Hope Community Church, but uh, we call it New Hope Community Church, but we're closet Baptists, I'll admit it. Uh, so what else would you use wine for? <laughs> uh, don't tell me. If you're from New Hope Community Church, don't tell me. I don't want to know. Uh, remember what Paul said. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. So anywho, uh, I'm, I'm having a little fun with this. So since we're pausing here, this is probably a good time for some shout-outs. Lots of different people have been uh, texting me, emailing me, saying, hey, 
caught the, the sermon on video and been following it since we don't have anything else to do. We're so bored, we're even watching you preach, Pastor Chuck. Uh, so, uh, uh, Erica Christensen from California. Thank you, Erica. Uh, the Bixels, John and Mary Alta, are in Arizona. Uh, Todd and Barb DeYoung and their son Mitch in Michigan. Hi, guys. Uh, my son Joshua in the Philippines, been following us. My dad in Appleton, New York. World famous Appleton, New York. My sister Phoebe in Lancaster. I know, I don't say it right, but we say I'm from Buffalo area, Lancaster Speedway. That's how we pronounce it. I can't do it the other way. Uh, Karen Hill Weatherstone, uh, also following in New York. And then the Humphrey families, a family, uh, Ed and Lynn and, and, and uh, the family are all been following along. And I want to say thank you for all the kind comments, especially KK, KK Humphreys, who said, Pastor Chuck, I can't believe how young you still look. You haven't changed at all since we moved away. Thank you, KK. Wait, you didn't say that, KK? Well, I know you were thinking it, but so thank you, KK, for thinking that. Thank you, thank you. Uh, I always have a lot of fun with KK. Anyway, let me know where you're watching from, and you too can get a shout out. <laughs> Uh, seriously, if, if this has been a blessing in some way, if God's been working on your heart, uh, would love to hear from you. Several, lots of different people writing and calling. And, uh, you can email us at nhcc at comcast.net. I got it right today. Or you want to follow along on the different uh, sermons from the past. It's a series, The Life of Elisha. We did The Life of Elijah before that. If you want to follow along, you can just go on the website, the podcast, www.newhopechurchpa.org. Got that right too, I think. So today, the title is Surviving Life's Gut Punches. Surviving Life's Gut Punches. 2 Kings 4, 8-28. to and it's a very good timing for this passage because we're in the middle of a major gut punch, aren't we? For the whole country, for the whole world. The coronavirus crisis, the pandemic. Talk about a gut punch. And here we are on Palm Sunday and Good Friday's coming up and Easter's coming up right after that. And here we are under quarantine, you know, lockdown, trapped like rats, you know? It's, we're, it's a gut punch for the whole world. Surviving life's gut punches. Have you ever experienced a real gut punch? An actual punch in the gut? The worst one I ever witnessed happened on the farm with my dad and the hay baler. We got a new baler. We used to have an old hay baler and it would drop the bales on the ground and you'd have to follow along and pick them up and put them on the wagon and stack them up and then take them off the wagon and put them on the elevator. It was a long, long, tedious process. But I'll never forget when we got the hay baler that had a kicker on it and it would take the bales instead of dropping on the ground, it would throw, they had this like metal tray would take the bale and throw it up into the wagon. Oh, that was wonderful. So we got this, this bale, we loved it. It saved us so much work, so much work. Uh, we loved it and it was a lot of fun because at first, we didn't do this too many times, we learned our lesson, but at first we would be up in the wagon and we'd be stacking it at first. After, t after a while, my dad said, we don't have to stack it anymore because what's the point? You can just take it out of the wagon, unstack. But at first, we were still doing the old way of stacking. And we were up in the wagon, and I remember we would catch the bales. We'd try to catch them, you know, and, and catch them. Uh, it's not a good idea with hay bales, you know, especially when they're wet, 70, 80 pounds. You know, catching these hay bales come flying through the air, mm, not a good idea. Uh, we, we did it with the straw bales after that, and that was a lot more fun. But we loved, we loved this, the, the new baler and the kicker. But one day, the kicker broke. And we were out, I was out there with my dad in the field and we were doing the bailing and it, and it broke and my dad was trying to fix it. And I was sitting on the tractor 
turning the baler on and off for my dad. And there was a safety lever, and so my dad went back to work on it, even though it could be running or not running, there was a safety lever, no matter what I was doing on the tractor, with, with turning it on and off, there was a safety lever that wouldn't let the kicker kick, and as long as that was on, it wasn't supposed to kick. But there must have been, uh, there must have been some kind of malfunction, some kind of glitch, and my dad was working on it, even though the safety lever was on, was on keeping it from go, going, my dad was working on the kicker, and it kicked him in the stomach. It kicked him. And this is, you imagine the force. This is a metal tray that had to throw 80-pound bales back into the, up over a wagon and into a wagon. It hit him in the stomach. And I will never forget it. I thought he was dead. He should have been. He dropped to the ground instantly. He was groaning. He was gasping for breath. He were out in the hay field. There were no cell phones. Just back prehistoric times. There was no cell phones. And I was frozen. I just kept thinking, get up, Dad. Dad, get back up. Get back up. Just like a Rocky movie, right? Get back up. And he, and he did. He got back up. And not only that, he went back to, he kept working. I don't even think he called the doctor. He kept working, if I remember right. Uh, it, farmers are tough. Farmers are tough. Uh, he went back to the work uh, and farm and, and didn't call the doctor and survived that kind of kick that I don't think most NFL football players would survive. And when, when it was just tough. We, they, they raised us tough. Uh, I never forget when we were sick or we got hurt. I remember hurting my arm when we were sick. I'd say to my mom, Mom, I think I better go see the doctor. I don't feel good. And, you know, really bad fever. Uh, you know, didn't feel well. And my mom would say, you're fine. You're fine. And I'd go, yeah, but I hurt my arm. You're fine. Don't worry. The vet's coming tomorrow. When he gets here to look at the cows, well, I'm take a look at your arm or, or whatever. But I need medicine now, you know. And so she'd say, okay. And she'd take me over to the cabinet. We had this old refrigerator. It wasn't running. And she'd open it up and take out the cow medicine. I go, I'm not taking cow medicine. You know, what are you doing, mom? And she's like, it's, it's the same stuff that they use, that the doctor uses, but we don't have to pay to go see the doctor. And this is a lot cheaper. The, the animal medicine's a lot cheaper. And, and look at, look at the pills. They're, they're just a little bit bigger, you know? I, I think if I let her, she would have used the cow plunger to get it down, you know? Yeah, I'm like, I'm not using that. That's why we were raised, we became so tough on the farm. All right? So my dad survives this incredible, Kick, gut punch, unbelievable. We all experience devastating gut punches, don't we? Physically, but mentally too, and emotionally and spiritually. We experience these incredible gut punches. And I want to look at from the life of Elisha how to survive life's gut punches from the life of Elisha. Let's pray. Father, I pray for everyone who's listening to this today, wherever they are, whoever's watching this, wherever they are. Father, I just pray that your word and your spirit would speak to each one of us. And no matter what we're going through, what pain we're in, even if we're gasping for breath, Lord, right now, that your grace and your mercy would speak to us and help us take the steps to surviving and not just surviving, but thriving, and, and, and coming out victorious no matter what life throws at us. I pray that, and I pray if anybody here who's listening or watching doesn't know Jesus, they've never put their faith in Jesus, given their life to Him, I pray that today would be that day, the day of salvation. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Okay, let's uh, read. We're only going to read the first part of the story. The second part is for next Sunday, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. We'll finish that next week, so don't miss next week. Part 2, but we'll pick it up with verse 8. 2 Kings 4, verse 8. One day Elisha went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. She said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let us make a small room on the roof and put it in it a bed and a table, a chair and a lamp for him. Then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. One day when Elisha came, he went up to his room and lay down there. He said to his servant Gehazi, call the Shunammite. So he called her and she stood before him. Elisha said to him, tell her you have gone to all this trouble for us. Now what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She replied, I have a home among my own people. What can be done for her? Elisha asked. Gehazi said, well, she has no son and her husband is old. Then Elisha said, call her. So he called her and she stood in the doorway. About this time next year, Elisha said, you will hold a son in your arms. No, my lord, she objected. Don't mislead your servant, O man of God. But the woman became pregnant and the next year about that same time she gave birth to a son just as Elijah had told her. The child grew and one day she went out and one day he went out to his father, who was with the reapers. My head, my head, he said to his father. His father told the servant, carry him to his mother. After the servant had lifted him up and carried him to his mother, the boy sat on her lap until noon, and then he died. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, then shut the door and went out. She called her husband and said, please send me one of the servants and a donkey so I can go to the man of God quickly and return. Why go to him today, he asked. It is not the new moon or the Sabbath. It's all right, she said. She saddled the donkey and said to her servant, lead on, don't slow down for me unless I tell you. So she set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. When he saw her in the distance, the man of God said to his servant Gehazi, look, there's the Shunammite. Run to meet her and ask her, are you all right? Is your husband all right? Is your child all right? Everything is all right, she said. When she reached the man of God at the mountain, she took hold of his feet. Gehazi came over to push her away, but the man of God said, leave her alone. She is in bitter distress. But the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me why. Did I ask you for a son, my Lord, she said? Didn't I tell you don't raise my hopes? 2 Kings 4, 8-28 the Shunammite was a woman of faith, a woman of faith. And she rec because of that, she recognized that Elisha was a holy man of God and she provided for him. She had a deep faith in God, even though, even though her deepest desire had not been met by God. She was childless. That would be painful in the USA today. It would be terribly painful if you want a child and can't have one. It's so painful. But even more, it was even more devastating for the Israelites in the Old Testament times. In their culture, it was even more devastating, if, if you can imagine that. Because without a child, you couldn't carry on your family's name. Your inheritance would pass on to somebody else, which was very, very 
key to the Israelites. And there would be no one to care for you in your old age. This woman had an older husband. That was typical at that time with the arranged marriages. And the older husband would die first and the woman would be left alone. And without a child, there was no one to care. She She would be completely dependent on others. Really, almost many times they became beggars even if they didn't have children. Very, very difficult. And Elisha grants her one wish. One wish, not three, but one wish. But she doesn't dare to ask for a child. That would be too much to hope for. Too much to hope for. She says, I'm fine. But she wasn't, was she? She wasn't, was she? But Elisha knows. And he grants her her deepest wish of her heart anyways. Verse 16, about this time next year, Elisha said, you will hold a son in your arms. No, my Lord, she objected. Don't mislead your servant, O man of God. Her, her response, she said everything was fine. I don't need anything. But her response showed how deeply she had buried her pain, how, how deep her dream was buried. And she says, don't mess with me, Elisha. Don't mess with me. Don't mess with me. But the miracle baby is conceived and born. And in the Old Testament, we see several miracle babies. Uh, the key one out of all the, the whole Old Testament, the key one is Abraham, Sarah had Isaac. That was the key. And Isaac is a, a, a picture. It's a prophetic picture of baby Jesus. The ultimate miraculous conception was baby Jesus. Lots of pr- prophetic pictures in the Old Testament for the New Testament. New Testament. Now, imagine how much she loved this little boy. Imagine the baby, the little boy, how much that he had to be the center of her life. But then this tragic, shocking event happens. Her little miracle boy dies with no warning, just dies. And what makes this so shocking, so perplexing, was this child was a special gift from God. A special gift. She didn't even ask for the kid. She didn't dare. And yet God gave him to her and now he takes him away. It reminds me of uh, the movie we just saw with a family. Jeremy Camp's life story with I Still Believe. How God grants him and his wife this incredible miracle and then, gotta watch the movie. Watch the movie. Uh, it was in theaters, then the coronavirus hit, so they actually have put it on demand. You can buy the movie, not rent yet, but buy it. It's worth it. Watch the movie. It's, uh, uh, that's all I'm going to say. Watch the movie. We must all face this kind of pain at some point in our life. If Welcome to the human race, right? We all have to take this gut punch. And there's lots of other ones that are brutal. When I, I, I refer to this as when life is changed forever. You're probably all thinking of some time like that. More on that later. I want to look at the woman's response. We'll see the keys to surviving Life's gut punches. Life's gut punches. Verse 20 and 21 where it says, the first one, uh, 
after the servant had lifted him up and carried him to his mother, the boy sat on her lap until noon, and then he died. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, then shut the door and went out. First key, the first key is she put the child into God's hands. Even though he was dead, she put him up on Elisha's bed. Even though he's dead, she put him up on Elisha's bed. She didn't prepare him for a burial. She didn't even tell her husband. This is a picture of surrendering the boy to God. She put the child into God's hands. This is out of my hands. Nothing I can do. It's all up to you now, God. It's up to you. Parents, surrender your children to God for His purpose. Trust Him. He loves them far more far more than we even are able to love them. And it's vital to realize that and to remember this, that they belong to God. They're just not loaned to us. If you haven't heard me preach before, sometimes I cry. Okay, lots of times. Uh, and they can't edit it out, so you're stuck with this. But anyway, they belong to God. They're just on loan to us. So we need to surrender them so that if God wants them for something, even to take them home, we are ready to let them go. She surrendered. She surrendered. She, she was really had a surrendered life. Look what she said in verse 23 when her husband says, what, what's going on? She said, it's all right, she said. I like the New King James Version the best for this. It says, it is well. That's exactly what she said. She said, it is well with my soul. A lot of you know that hymn and why it was written, how this man lost his daughters, drowned, and he, and he wrote this amazing song as he passed over that same spot where they were drowned. It is well with my soul. She says, it is well. She had this amazing peace when it would have been so easy for this woman to lose it, to completely lose it. Have you ever lost a child? I know lots of folks at our church sadly have lost children, including Kim and me. We've lost a child Little Laurel, who you saw, said, boo. She's our, really our granddaughter, that we've adopted her. Our, my, our oldest son, Ryan. And his wife, Megan. Both died of uh, accidental drug overdoses and God has given us Laurel 
what a blessing. What a blessing to, to have her. To have a piece of each of them with Laurel. But you talk about a gut punch. Death is the ultimate gut punch, isn't it? Well, all loss is brutal, whether it's a child, whether it's a spouse, whether it's a parent, whether it's a, a good friend, it's brutal. And grief is a long, slow, painful healing process. Doesn't feel like it at first. But the woman, her faith survived intact. She survived and her faith survived intact with losing this child. The key was, as much as what she did do, she put it into God's hands. The key was, as much as what she did do, putting it in God's hands, the key is what she didn't do. And what she didn't do is she didn't turn on God. She didn't become bitter. She didn't turn to pills or alcohol or some other self-destructive behavior. She didn't turn on God, but instead she turned to God through Elisha, the prophet. She didn't run away from God. She ran to him. Which is the next key to surviving life's gut punches. The surrender, putting the child into, her hand, his, into God's hands. And then look at verses 24 to 28. Look what she does here. Verse 24. She saddled the donkey and said to her servant, Lead on. Don't slow down for me unless I tell you. So she set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. When she saw, when he saw her in the distance, the man of God said to his servant, Gehazi, look, there's the Shunammite. Run to meet her and ask her, are you all right? Is your husband all right? Is your child all right? Everything is all right, she said. King James, King James Version. It is well. When she reached the man of God at the mountain, she took hold of his feet. Gehazi came over to push her away, but the man of God said, leave her alone. She is in bitter distress, but the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me why. Did I ask you for a son, my Lord, she said? Didn't I tell you, don't raise my hopes? She, in her grief, in her shock, she didn't run away from God. She ran to him. She brought her crisis to God through the prophet Elisha. She brought her crisis to God. She surrendered the child. She surrendered the gut punch. And she brought the crisis to God. That's the second and final step that we're going to look at today through Elisha. Elisha was far away when this happened. Far away. He was on Mount Carmel. He was far away, just like it seems to us that God is far away when we lose the love when we lose a loved one, right? Doesn't God seem far away? Or we get hit with any kind of gut punch. It seems like God is not there for us initially. But look what she did. She got on her donkey, which at that time was like a fancy car. That was a special ride. Only the rich people had him. She was rich. She had this donkey, and she says to the servant, step on it. Let's get there quick. Step on it. She was determined to find Elisha and God, right? Mount Carmel was 18 miles away as the crow flies. 
uh, much farther, the way she was going, much farther following the DPS. Deep? Oh, you have never heard of DPS? That's a donkey positional system. Uh, much further, it was tough going. It was through the mountains, the winding roads. And this took perseverance. Perseverance. And she probably rode most of the way in the dark. Because this had to take a long time to get there. A, a, a full day's journey, but she was leaving at 1 o'clock. She probably rode at least half of the journey, if not more, in the dark. And it was scary. There were no headlights. There were no uh, street lights. There were no dotted lines to follow. She just had the, the, the servant leading the way probably with a torch by then. And it was scary, probably the, the, which is the same way that we feel when we get gut punched. We feel like we're in the dark. God, what is going on? We're in the dark. It's a scary time. But she persevered. She persevered even though she didn't even know the outcome. She didn't even know what was going to happen. But she wrote in hope. She wrote in hope. More on that next week with the Resurrection Sunday. Don't miss that. But she wrote in hope. It reminds me of Romans 5, 3 to 5, where it says, Not only so, but we also rejoice in our suffering. Because we know that suffering develops perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. You catch that? We also rejoice in our sufferings because they develop character, character, uh, perseverance. I'm sorry, I got that out of line. Uh, suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, character, hope. It's all connected. The, the suffering, the perseverance ends up with hope which is what she was riding with. And look what she does when she finds Elisha. Verse 27 and 28. Look what she does when she finds him. When she reached the man of God at the mountain, she took hold of his feet. Gehazi came over to push her away, but the man of God said, leave her alone. She is in bitter distress, but the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me why. Did I ask you for a son, my Lord? She said, didn't I tell you don't raise my hopes? Look what she does. She grabs his feet and pours out her, her heart. But first, she's got to dodge Gazi, who's acting in the flesh. He's getting in between her and God. Acting in the flesh. Many will try to steer us away from God when we get a gut punch. When we face even death itself, many are going to try to steer us away from God. But ignore them. Ignore them. Cling to the feet of Jesus. Just like the, the, the sinful woman in, in Luke chapter 7. When she, she went and grabbed Jesus' feet and washed Jesus' feet with her tears. She wet his feet with her tears and her hair. In spite of the Pharisees' resistance, she did that. Don't let anybody keep you from coming to God when you're going through a, a gut punch. Or even when you're trying to find Jesus. Maybe you're not a Christian yet. Don't let anybody steer you away. I'm trying to find Jesus and keep on going. Persevere because the world can't understand. The world can't understand how we can have peace. Why we turn to God instead of psychology or instead of a, a pill. It's beyond our non-Christian friends. It's beyond the worldly thinkers, even the Christians who think worldly. They try to steer us away from God, just like Gehazi did. Try to steer us away from God. I, I remember, uh, don't, don't let them, don't let them do that. They can't understand. It's, it's be, beyond them. Instead, cling to Jesus. Cling to Jesus. Cling, 
Arthur Pink, my, my favorite biblical scholar, he writes these commentaries, but they're really devotionals too. Amazing. He's been dead for a long time, World War II era. But oh, I love to read Arthur Pink. And, and he, and he had this to say, a quote. If you get anything you can, get your hands on anything of Arthur Pink's and read it, it'll take you a page a day. It's all you can do. It's so deep and so good. But, but he, he has this quote. When God's providence confuses us, cling to his promises. When God's providence confuses us, cling to his promises. Cling to his promises. And one of the best ones, it hit me as I was doing this, one of the best ones is, is Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Memorize it. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, in everything, you can tell I'm getting old here, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. I'm going to read that verse again. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The world can't understand that. They can't understand. It's beyond them. And that's why they try to steer us away from God and his word, just like Gehazi did. I, I remember a woman year, many years ago uh, in a church I was at, and her husband had cancer, and he was dying of cancer, and it was a long, slow death. It was so hard. It was so sad. But, but once he died, as sad as she was, she had this amazing peace. Amazing peace because of her faith. Just like this woman. She had this amazing peace. I'll never forget the, at the funeral, she was almost glowing. Sad. Oh yeah, sad. But there was almost a glow. And, and she had this peace. And a couple of her friends came up to her. She was telling me the story after the funeral. They came up and said to her, my friends who weren't Christians, didn't know Jesus, couldn't grab all of his feet. They said, we're concerned about you. You're not handling this like most people handle it. You're, you're, you're not handling this well. We think you need help. <laughs> it was beyond them. The peace that we have transcends all understanding. We can't explain it. You can only experience it. And, and the key to having it is Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How about us? Do we have that peace? Do we have that peace? Do we have that peace that passes understanding? Even when we, we don't understand what God is doing. Even when we don't understand it, do we have that peace? We don't know what he's doing. Have we learned how to survive life's gut punches? Which step do we need to take today? Maybe it's the first step. Step number one, put your gut punch in God's hands, whatever it is. Surrender your life and whatever this punch is, surrender to God and to his purpose. That's the first step, no matter what it is. Uh, at the beginning of the week, I was spending a lot of time praying and preparing for this and wrestling with this passage. And, and I'll never forget, at the beginning of the week, I felt my heart start to have these, these uh, uh, flutters, heart flutters, right? And uh, then one night, 
they went from a flutter into a backflip. I'm laying in bed and I cannot sleep. I'm telling you, my heart was doing backflips. I couldn't sleep. And I'm like, and I'm, so I got out of bed and I went downstairs. I went online and I'm reading about it and, and I went to irregular heartbeats and, uh, and it said, if you're, if you have irregular heartbeats and it described what I was experiencing, it could just be an irregular heartbeat, nothing too serious, or it could be a heart attack and you could be dying. So call 911 immediately. <laughs> well, I didn't want to do that. So, uh, I, so I, I snuck out, um, I'm going to sneak out of the house. I didn't wake him up because I didn't want her to be exhausted in case it was nothing, you know, uh, and I didn't want her to be exhausted. It was 1230 at night when I'm, I'm getting ready to leave, but I saw my daughter Sarah was still awake. I saw her light on, so I said, oh, Sarah, hey, I'm going to go to the hospital. I'm having some heart stuff going on. I'm going to drive over to the hospital. So just in case anything does happen, you'll know what happened. You can explain to everybody. All right, so she goes, <laughs> uh, Kim was so mad at me when she But anyway, I will, she says, I'll drive you, Dad. I'll drive you. I'm going to be up. She's in college, you know, not in college, but because of the, being home from the coronavirus. But she says, I'll drive you. She's up late all the time. So she drives me to the Doyletown Hospital. We get there and you can see all these big tents set up outside the emergency room where they're testing people. Uh, it looked like, like a, a movie, right? Scary movie. And we pull up and the security guard comes up to the vehicle and I pull out the window. I said, hi, I'm here to come to the emergency room. He's like, what's the matter? What do you want? What are you doing here? I'm like, <laughs> I said, uh, <clears throat> we're, I got heart issues. Are you sure? Yeah, you really worked me over. I'm like, what is this? You know? And so, uh, I, he goes, I go, yeah, I, I am having some heart, stuff going on so he said all right you can get out but he said to sarah stay in the car go park it and stay in the car you're not allowed in i get out he hands me a mask puts it on takes me in all the people are looking at me kind of suspicious with leery you know leery eyes you know and and uh they start you know they start talking to me and i found out why later i'll explain what happened they take me in and they give me an ekg and they start following my heartbeat and then another person comes in then another person comes in. The doctor comes in and they're all kind of looking at this and they're like, oh yeah, boy, it's all over the place. That heartbeat is all over the place. It's, it's like, you know, bopping, right? And, uh, and, uh, and, and the doctor finally said, it's really good you came in. Your heart's jumping all over the place. So after that, they did all these tests, blood tests and all. And, and while I'm waiting for them, the nurse comes back in and now he's really nice. He's a really, really nice guy. A uh, great guy from Jim Thorpe. From Jim Thorpe, KK, right, one of your neighbors, and he was really nice, and he said, "Well, it, I'm just, I'm glad you really did have something. That's that's why everybody was being like, you know, he was basically saying that's why everybody was being like that because because of the coronavirus." panic pandemic not the pa the pandemic but the panic of it is that everybody's just piling in here it, it, it it's it's nice that you actually do have something wrong with you everybody's been coming with these psychosomatic illnesses and overwhelming us turns out they have nothing and now and it's hindering us from helping the people that really do have something especially the people with coronavirus and so uh he, he was said it's good that you came in doctor later on comes back in and says, you're, you're okay, you're not having a heart attack, but you do need to go uh, see a cardiologist because you might need medicine and, and or a, an ablation at some point. You might need that, so go see the cardiologist. And uh, so there was something. So speaking of doctors, 
I just want to say God bless our frontline workers in the coronavirus crisis. I want to say God bless them. They risk their lives daily. The doctors, the nurses, all the medical people, uh, the, the, the people doing physical therapy and, and all kinds of people, the policemen, the firemen, uh, policemen and women, firemen and women, the uh, military is involved in it now. God bless them, right? But the doctors, this doctor, and then the next one I talked to the next day, uh, asked me, well, are you stressed out? Is the coronavirus upsetting you? Are you stressing out over that? And I'm like, no, not at all. They were like a little surprised. Um, I said, I haven't, been, I haven't been stressed at all. Not because, I'm going to say to you, not because I'm brave or super spiritual, but because we know that God's got this. In fact, I just heard a sermon about that recently. So I still had that, got that in my head. <laughs> uh, if you didn't hear it last week, make sure you hear it. Uh, but God's got this. And, and, uh, and then s several other people have asked me, were you scared? Were you scared? And I was like, no, I wasn't scared. Nope, I wasn't scared at all. I was just like, God, I'm in your hands. I'm in your hands. Uh, I heard that recently in a sermon too. We're, I'm in God's hands. I, I said, God, I'm in your hands. Just like I've been saying to people all the time with the coronavirus, as they, they look nervous and stuff, and I just keep saying, we're all in God's hands. And, and the light goes on. They're like, you're right. You're right. We're in God's hands. Remember the graphic last week that I shared? Uh, that the, the graphic that we had put up, you can go back on the, the website and, and see it for yourself. But we are in God's hands. And nothing can touch us unless God allows it. It has to be through his permission. And that's a peace that we have as, as Christians. That's a, God's peace is a gift that we have, that we are given, that grace. So many people at New Hope Community Church have said to me, and a lot of people from other churches have said to me, you know what, I just have so much peace. But several people have said to me, you know what, I just recently became a Christian. And I'm so glad I came to church and became a Christian because I have this peace. I, in the past, I would have been freaked out over this virus. I would have been like in total fear, but I have a peace. And, and even my family, I, I see them all freaking out, but I'm not freaking out like them. And I'm just so thankful that I found Jesus and I have that peace. And that's why even though I, even though my heart was flipping out and it was, I was a boom, boom, boom. Come on, come on. Boom, boom, boom. Come on. Bum, 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 bum. I was like, what is going on? You know, I'm taking my pulse. Uh, and, uh, and even though I had peace, and even though the hospital was the last place I wanted to go, God bless the medical people, right? What they're going, what they put themselves in harm's way. That was the last place I wanted to go. <laughs> was the hospital where they're treating coronavirus victims, right? It was like a zombie movie. It reminded me of a zombie movie there, right? But I still had peace. Have we taken the first step to surviving life's gut punches? Have we surrendered to God's purpose? Have we done that? Have we surrendered to his purpose? Maybe we've taken that step about bringing our crisis to God's feet, but have we taken the next step? Have we taken the next step, not just the surrender, I'm sorry, the surrender was the first one, but have we taken the next step have we brought the crisis to God's feet? Are we pouring out our hearts to Him? Maybe you have lost someone. Maybe you have lost a relationship 
or a, or a marriage. Maybe you've lost a prodigal who's run away. Maybe you've lost dreams. Life's dreams, you've lost them. Maybe the coronavirus has cost us. Has cost us. But it doesn't have to cost us our peace. It doesn't have to cost us a victorious Christian life that we keep by faith. And that's the whole point of communion, which we're going to be some of you will be celebrating after the sermon's over. That's the whole point of communion. It's a reminder that we are in communion. We're in a relationship with God. And that's what gets us through all this. That we can grab his feet. That we can come to him. That we're in a, that, that's the whole point of communion. Listen, if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you have, there's a time in your life that you put your faith in Christ, you are now a Christian, you have said, God, I believe Jesus died for my sin. I believe he died on the cross in my place so that I could be forgiven. I believe that. I put my faith in him. I turn away from that old life. I repent of that old life. I ask you to forgive me because I'm putting my faith in Jesus, and what he did on that cross for me. I give my life to him. If you have taken that step of faith, you are now a Christian, and we can come to God for anything at any time, and we know that God completely understands. Completely understands. And Jesus is sitting at his right hand. He completely understands. He has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. He knows exactly what we are going through. And God understands our pain. He understands our pain. He even knows what it's like to lose a child. He knows what it's like. God allowed his miracle child, his one and only son, his only son, his miracle baby, his only son, to die for us. To die for our sins. Good Friday's coming up. To die for our sins on that Good Friday. God allowed his only son to die on a cross so that we could become his children. He sacrificed his only son so that we could become children of God. Are you connected? Are you in communion with God through his son, Jesus Christ. Have you ever become a Christian? Put your faith in Jesus. You can do that right now. There's no religious ritual. There's no special hoops you have to jump through. You don't need a special religious person. It's between you and God. A prayer from your heart to God's heart. You can do that right now by putting your faith in Jesus. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus? You can do that right now. Let's pray. As we go to this time of prayer, how is... God speaking to you. How is his Holy Spirit touching your heart through his word right now? Maybe you're listening or watching and you have never put your faith in Jesus. You don't have this peace that passes understanding. You don't even know what I'm talking about because you can't. we can't have it until we put our faith in Jesus Christ. We can't have that peace until we make peace with God. 
But God has opened the door for us so that we can make peace. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Are you ready to pray the simple prayer, the simple powerful prayer of faith? God, please forgive me for everything I've ever done wrong against your word, against your will. Please forgive me. Forgive me. I repent. I walk away. I turn away. Please forgive me because I'm putting my faith in Jesus. I'm putting my faith in his death on the cross, for me, I put my faith in Jesus. I give my life to him. Forgiveness and faith. And now you're going to follow. Follow Jesus. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, wherever you are today, if you have prayed that prayer of faith, something amazing, incredible has happened to you. The Holy Spirit is now living inside of you. Your life will never be the same. You will never be able to live the same way again. You're going to hear and understand things from God's Word that you never could understand before. You're going to hear God's voice speak to you and convict you and encourage you. You're going to experience God's love in an unthinkable way. If you have taken that step of faith, I want to encourage you to let somebody know. Maybe you have a Christian friend that you could talk to. Maybe you have uh, family members that are Christians you could talk to. Let somebody know. And, and if you want, you can let me know. I'd love to know. Let somebody know so that you, we can encourage you and be excited for you. Once again, if you, our, my email, nhcc at comcast.net. For those of us who are already Christians, while we're still praying here, for those of us who are already Christians, how is God speaking to us? Maybe you came into today and you have been stuck spiritually. Life has punched you in the gut and you are flat on your back spiritually and gasping for breath. And what? But what, after hearing about this woman of faith, what do we need to do to start moving forward again? To start living again? To start letting God heal our heart that's out of whack. The heart, the spiritual heartbeat that's out of whack. That we need to let God heal it. Maybe the starting point for you today is surrendering to God. Surrendering to God's purpose. To put this gut punch, whatever it is, to put this gut punch into God's hands. It's a prayer of surrender. God, I give this to you. Accomplish your purpose in my life and through my life. God uses these gut punches to touch many, many other people. Maybe, maybe we need to, to crawl to the foot of the cross, to the crawl to the foot of the cross and, and grasp the feet of Jesus. 
and pour out our hearts to him. Maybe that's what we need to do so that we can experience the supernatural peace, the peace that passes understanding, so we can experience that supernatural peace no matter what gut punch we get hit with. We can experience that peace. Father, I pray for each person who's listening today that we for each person that they would either put their faith in you today or for those who have already put their faith in you, Lord, that we would this, this, we would commune with you and connect with you and surrender to you and grab a hold of your feet, coming to the cross, coming to the feet of Jesus and find that supernatural peace that you promise in your word. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, this is the end of the sermon. If you want to, you could listen for a few more moments. For a few more minutes, we're going to just talk about communion and give you that option if you want to listen for a few more minutes. If you're a Christian and, and your sin is confessed, you can now take communion. Now, if you're not a Christian yet, you got to wait. But I hope you do. Do it now. <laughs> or if there's a sin that you're not willing to surrender. Bible says don't take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy way. If there's a sin you're not willing to surrender, don't take it. But you can do that now. Not, not that you have to be perfect. None of us could take it. But you have to be willing to surrender. Say, God, I'm battling this. I ask you to forgive me. Give me the, your mercy and grace in this battle. And if you're willing to do that and ready, uh, if you're not, do it both right now. But if you're ready, I would encourage you to, to celebrate communion. You can take it by yourself. You can take it with your, your family or friends, your family, whoever you're with. If, if a dad is there, I would encourage dads to take the lead with this, to read 1 Corinthians 11, 23 to 26. 1 Corinthians 11, 23 to 26. Everybody can read that, but dads, grab your Bible and read this. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. That's why we do communion. We're remembering what Jesus did. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. To read that, and then that as, as you or your family, take it. Remember to say the body of Christ and the blood of Christ and then to, 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 to end with some kind of a prayer. However God leads, there's no right or wrong way. However God leads, we normally do this in church, but this may not happen for a while. We don't know. I want to encourage you as, as, as families or even by yourself to self remember the communion and what that reminds us of. I'll see you next week. Easter Resurrection Sunday. God bless.